Hello and welcome to Deluded, Melbourne Demons podcast. Nitz, it's been a pretty short week, so this is going to be a nice brisk podcast. How are you uh, feeling after the Lions game? You know, it's funny. I never expected us to win. I, I, it's, it's after you've been a Melbourne supporter for such a long time, you just get really conditioned to losing um, at the final frontier. So I don't know. I wasn't disappointed. It would have been an incredible victory, but I just don't think the team has the mental fortitude to pull off wins like that yet. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I have to say, I was pretty excited about the performance. I mean, I kind of thought we'd have a bit of a reality check from the Lions. And obviously they had Stefan Martin out, but it's still a very good team uh, in Queensland. And it is a pretty good effort because there's a point in the game where it looked like we might get blown away. Yeah, no, and that definitely was was pleasing to see. I mean, the goal kicking has to be spoken of. It really was um, a matter of everyone in the team having the yips, it felt like. I mean, Weed missing three, um, and I thought he actually played really well aside from aside from not being able to convert his opportunities. Like, he was presenting well. He played with real presence. Um, Bennell's miss, running into an open goal, killed me. Langdon's miss killed me. Harms's miss, and then you have Pickett who – quite frankly, missed and, and really should have been a little bit more so, um, unselfish, I would have said. Yeah, just a real lack of composure. And the one player who seemed like he was able to kick straight was Melksham, which makes sense because he is probably the best forward kick in the team. But yeah, a lot of lot of players just kind of choking, it seemed, to be honest. I think so. Let's talk about those dying minutes, though. So let's start with the score review because a lot has been said about that. What was your take on that debacle? Well, I have to be honest. Our mate Tom Morris, who we love, thank you for doing the last episode, Tom. Um, he suggests. I love that you assume that he's listening to all episodes, as opposed to him just being like, "I was a part of one episode and one episode only of this sinking ship." <laughs> yeah, I guess once you get a bit of a taste for celebrity, you want more of it. But um, look, his take was that you know Melbourne got robbed essentially because of that score review. I totally disagree with that. So the idea is that if the score review hadn't occurred that um, Lever would have gotten the ball to Salem, who would have gotten the ball to Jones on the wing, who would have danced into the 50 and presumably kicked a beautiful goal. I mean, there's a lot of links in that chain of causation, and I just don't trust Melbourne enough to be able to have executed all those things. I mean, obviously it was frustrating, but I don't know. I think that's gotten way more attention. I mean, frankly, the real story was that we had a golden opportunity through Hannon, um, and he butchered it by kicking out of bounds in the full, and then Fritch gave away that 50-meter penalty. I think that's the real story, not this kind of hypothetical 100-meter run that we would have done. Yeah, I think that's right. And people do love getting frustrated at the score review for some reason. Jared Waitley is obsessed with talking about the score review, and I find it a bit boring. I mean, look, I think that it was uh, you know, obviously unfortunate what happened, but Ultimately, we lost ourselves that game and knowing Melbourne's um, forward mid-connection, which can sometimes be a bit uh, strained, I'm not sure if I think that there would necessarily have been a goal out of that. But I was a bit disappointed by Fritch's lack of discipline, to be honest. I mean, I don't know why he didn't just get up and, and move on because it just made absolutely no sense given the time in the game. No, it is, a, it is a real brain fade, but, you know, everyone has those. It just happened to happen at the most crucial moment. Um yeah, so it was really disappointing because I did think we were overrunning them um, and, you know, we nearly had it, you know, and that would have been such a huge win, wouldn't it? It, it could have made us make the finals. It could have even given us a, 
some remote shot at making the top four. I don't know. Potentially. And it just would have given us huge confidence. But let's talk about the midfield where we were comprehensively beaten. And the extraordinary part was that Gorn was the highest AFL-ranked player on the ground, um, as in highest by AFL ratings is what I mean to say. And yet the Lions midfield completely dominated, reading his taps to perfection. So, I mean, he won the hitouts 44 to 18, but in terms of the clearances, they were 35 to 22 and um, particularly center clearances 11 to 6 and stoppage clearances 24 to 16. So you're not the only one with stats, Kieran. Um, I'm very impressed. I, I, I don't say. think you've ever quoted a stat before. It's usually just raw instinct. Well, <laughs> <laughs> raw anger, I would say. But no, in this particular instance, I decided to do a bit of research, but um, it was quite extraordinary how dominate, dominate, Dominant is the word I'm looking for. Gorn was, but then how we just could not capitalize on it. And I was quite impressed, I must say, with the Lions midfield's ability to read his taps and to get um, to win the clearances, notwithstanding the fact that they kept losing the hitouts. Um, yeah, look, exactly. And they adapted quite well. And that's going to be the challenge for us because you can't blame Gorn. He's doing everything he can. Um, but good teams are going to be able to do that. And, you know, the last couple of weeks against Hawthorne and Gold Coast, we monstered them because their midfield wasn't capable of adapting. It's going to be interesting to see how we go against teams like Brisbane, Port, um, you know, even teams like Geelong that are just much more accomplished at doing that. I think so. And and look, let's talk about Jack Viney because he is really putting together a really fine season. I think mm. um, you can see how hungry he is. Um, you can Particularly see how... Particularly with a newborn baby. I mean, it's it's quite incredible. And, you know, we criticized him a few weeks ago. Since then, he's just been spectacular. I mean, yeah, he's a star and we're so I'm so incredibly impressed to be honest, especially having been stripped of the captaincy and having a lot of people, um, myself included, really question in some ways where his career was headed. Was he going to be this sort of limited player who um, was, you know, obviously great at winning the ball, but just could not use it properly. But he really is um, stepping up, particularly in recent weeks. We do have to talk about someone though, who is stepping down and that is Angus Brayshaw. My perennial whipping boy. He really is, isn't he? But nine disposals on the weekend, that was a pretty that – that's about as bad as it's gotten for the whole season, I would say. I just – I don't think he keeps a spot this week, Nates, and I know that um, it'll astound you that I'm critiquing Gus's game, but he's, he's, he's had a poor season, and he's had now poor – nearly poor, two poor seasons. He's barely getting the ball. He's not particularly damaging when he does get the ball. Obviously, it is tough for him that his role has been taken a little bit by Petrarca and Viney. But I just don't think we're getting all that much from him. And obviously the question mark is is who comes in. And, you know, you've got players like Tomlinson, who's also someone who hasn't shown a massive amount. But surely it's just hard to retain your spot when you're getting these kinds of numbers. I would agree with that. But what I would say is that, you know, according to AFL.com at least, little spruik, little plug for AFL.com here, but... Tom Sparrow is the one who is who is mm. banging down the door, and that doesn't fill me with a huge amount of confidence. You know, like I mean, having read his draft profile and seen one of his games, I mean, Tom Sparrow does have a problem with kicking and also with um, disposal efficiency. So, you know, if that's sort of the replacement, I'm not that uh, desperate to bring him into the team. Um, I also have a problem with Harms at the moment. He went at 42% disposal efficiency in the last game, and I, I just don't think he's had a great season at all. So. Both of them, to be honest, should be on notice, and both of them really are in jeopardy of losing their spots. But I, I just don't know what our what our depth looks like. I think I think the sad reality is that we don't actually have as much midfield depth as people sometimes think. We have a top few, which are phenomenal, um, obviously Viney, Petrarca, and Oliver, and then we have other players that have 
kind of coasted a little bit. Um, and I guess the assumption is if one of those other guys go down, Harms and Brayshaw will lift, but it's not necessarily the case. And neither of them have really shown a huge amount, but I do agree with you. I mean, I don't, I haven't seen enough from Sparrow to suggest that he's the answer. I don't know who else could come back in. I don't know if Corey Wagner is sniffing around. See, I just don't know if that's really the solution. I, yeah. I mean, I know Gus is in horrible form, but I think that I would rather persist with him than put Corey Wagner in the team. Yeah, I think that's probably fair. So look, the two of them might just retain their spots um, through a lack of options, but it's it's certainly a concern because, I mean, when they're going, our team is way better, as we saw in 2018. And if anything, they could be the missing link, really. Right, and Harms had an excellent season that season. We can't forget how, how well he was playing um, as a very underrated member of that midfield brigade. But let's talk about a couple of our, one of our big disagreements for this week, which is the future of our veterans. And I want to talk to you specifically about Neville Jetta and Nathan Jones. Well, you can start with Neville Jetta because um, I don't really know why he should be on the agenda. I mean, obviously he hasn't been in, in amazing form, but I don't think he was terrible on the weekend. Well, he had two disposals, Kieran, but, um, you know, I think that ultimately he's, I, I'm a bit concerned about the way he's playing the game, leading with his head first. That causes me concern. Mm. He um, has had concussion issues in the past. Yeah. And, and I know he was sort of injured for a period of time on Saturday as well, but in my opinion, I, I just don't know if, if we're getting that much out of him. I love Lord Nev. I've always loved Lord Nev, but I'm starting to wonder if it's time to um, see what our other future options look like in terms of small defenders. I don't know about that. I mean, I don't, I don't think small defenders should really be measured all that much on their disposals. Um, I mean, so long as they can keep the most dangerous small forward down, I think that's good. And look, he didn't have an amazing game against Charlie Cameron, but then again, he also had a couple of head knocks. Um, I don't, you know, I think my recollection of the games this year is that the players Jed has been on have maybe kicked a goal or two, but I don't think anyone has really completely carved us up. So to me, he's he's holding his spot. And, and what's the alternative? I mean, like Josh Wagner or... Well, not necessarily, but I would like to see what the alternatives could be. I mean, I wouldn't even be averse to playing Rivers, to be honest, and just seeing what he can do. I mean, maybe that's... I, I'm just not sure whether veterans fit in on our playing list going forward. And the same must be said, I think, of Nathan Jones. And I know you have accused me multiple times of this podcast of retiring Jones, but I haven't. I really haven't. I do think, though, that really successful teams, that's just how the sort of circle of life works. And so I don't know if, if there's somebody that we think could be um, more damaging with his use and, and sort of quicker, I think we should be potentially investigating that option. But Nitz, who are these players? Like, who's this hypothetical, you know, slick using quick player? I mean, you'd think we'd have found them by now. I don't think Oscar Baker is going to be the solution. Mm. Um, I think we need to give Jones a little bit of time. You know, he, this is his first game back in a long time. Um, I think his first game of the season, he had a bit of an injury interruption. Um, He is still a pretty good kick in a team without that many good kicks. And I would like to give him a few weeks to see what he can do. And look, maybe after three or four games, he really doesn't go anywhere. I mean, I get it, but I don't know. I, I, I just feel, feel sad about not feeling like we gave Jones a real chance, particularly after we've done to some of our, what we've done to some of the other veterans in the past, like James McDonald, for example. No, I see your point. Okay, well, let's move on to the next segment, which is... a very quick disagreement. Yeah, no, it was kind of a manufactured disagreement this week. But <laughs> anyway, so what made you smile this week, Kieran? Uh, for me, Jake Melksham. So he's another one that I think has been so far off his 2018 form. But just seeing the precision of his kicking and the confidence he was building as the game went on, like that is massive. Like no matter how bad our forward line is, if Melksham gets going, 
um, you know, things look so much more promising. So I was, I was stoked to see that. I, for me, it was Luke Jackson. I think that, and I'm the first person to say I was very skeptical about recruiting him, but, mm. um, particularly off air. Yeah, no, definitely <laughs> off air. But do you know what? I'm, I'm really coming around to him. He looks super athletic. He looks super agile. He moves kind of like uh, sort of similarly to the bond. Um, and he doesn't look sort of, he just looks so clean. So I'm quite excited about Luke Jackson. I'm really excited to see what he can do in the future as well. What do you make of the speculation that Jackson might be replaced this week by Tom McDonald? I don't like that at all, to be honest. I mean, Tom McDonald hasn't been in great form all year or as for a year and a half, really. And I, and I just think when Luke Jackson is getting better and better each week and with each game he plays, his confidence is improving. And so I just think that until he plays a bad game, I think that or definitely needs a rest. Um, there's no point in removing him. That said, Harley Bennell might need a rest, in which case maybe Tom McDonald comes in for Harley Bennell. I'm not sure. But um, yeah, I don't know. I don't like the idea of getting rid of Jackson so quickly. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I agree in general, but I do think with these very short turnarounds, we do have to have a bit of a squad mentality a little bit. And Jackson's had a very promising couple of games, a very short break. You know, it might not be the worst thing to give him a week off and give McDonald a go, but... Yeah, in, in principle, I, I totally agree. I think he's kept his spot and I think he's adding a lot. Okay, so now on to the Rowan Bale Award, which is making a comeback. Um, it's never gone away, in fact. And this week, Neats, um, the Rowan Bale Award for Most Underrated Player is awarded by you, um, which is very unusual, given your position towards the award. And I will award the award to uh, Ed Langdon. Okay. Explain. Uh, yeah, so I think that Ed Langdon actually think had a pretty decent game. I mean, he went at seventy percent disposal efficiency, which for him is figures, yeah. yeah, for him is quite high. And so, you know, aside from missing that one very easy shot at goal, I actually think that he he actually played pretty well. You know, so I'm going to give him the Rowan Bale Award. I think he was good, and you know, you I think you made this point, Nate. You can kind of, you can see why they recruited him. Oh, definitely. You know, he runs really hard. He gets a lot of the ball. Puts a lot of pressure on. He puts a lot of pressure on. Um, you know, I think they were saying in the commentary on this week that he had less possessions because the ball didn't really go down his wing. But, you know, he's very busy. I mean, his kicking is just, it's no good. But he's got a lot of heart and endeavor, you know. I do agree with you that he's sort of an upgraded Jaden Hunt in some ways. Yeah, I'm a bit disappointed. And I, and I will say, I do think disposal efficiency is a bit of a misleading um, statistic because last year, as uh, hopefully no viewers remember, I was railing that we need to get this Langdon kid. Look at his disposal efficiency. It's fantastic. And then you actually see him kick and you're like, where do they get these statistics from? So yeah, I, I don't know. But look, he's, he's definitely holding his role. He's adding a bit of, bit of width, a bit of speed. You know, he's doing all right. And on that note, let's talk about the Port Adelaide game. Hmm. Um, this is going to be absolutely fascinating, isn't it? Mm. Um, because they seem like a pretty good team, but also very flaky. And they've really struggled against like, top eight teams. Well, they also have a propensity to fall apart mid-season. Mm. So this is usually the time in which Port falls apart. Um, and so it'll be really interesting to see, especially because, you know, I wouldn't say that Melbourne has a lot of mental fortitude. And I wouldn't say that Port has a whole lot either. So it's sort of a battle of two sort of flaky teams in a lot of ways. I think we definitely have the advantage that the game's in Queensland. Um, so that helps. So we won't have had to travel. Uh, and we have some... It's it's at the same stadium, right? I think so, yeah. Right. So I don't know. I think we've, we've got a bit of a chance. It'll be interesting to see what they do with the teams. Uh, I would bring Tom McDonald in. I mean, particularly if he's fresh, given we've only played a few days ago. In terms of who goes out, I mean, Jackson, if he's cooked. Benel, if he needs a rest. Benel. I mean, a bit of a left field suggestion is Gus. Uh, and the reason for that being that I do think Tom McDonald can play a bit of a wing role. 
Um, you know, he's got amazing uh, athleticism. His kicking's decent. Like, you know, I definitely think Gus is a better player, but maybe this is a time to experiment with that. I don't know. Um, but they probably won't do that. Is there anyone else do you think that will make way? No, I don't think so. I mean, there's Tomlinson, who I just don't think should be in the team. Yes. <laughs> Familiar with your position on that. Um, and no Jack Watts, officially, it seems. Yeah. What's going on with Jack Watts? Is he not getting a gig at all? It seems stunning to me because um, Marshall's out this week. Right. And you think Watts would be the natural replacement. But... Yeah. And Bonner as well. And, and Watts could play Bonner's role at halfback. So I have no idea. They must just hate him. Maybe there's just something about Watts that coaches just dislike and it's hard to see from the outside. But, you know, it's kind of bizarre given his talent that he's not in this team. Yeah, I would agree with that. And given their level of injuries as well. Yeah, yeah. Very weird. But, um, Needs, what's your tip for this week? I think that we might win, actually. I'm going to tip a, I'm going to tip a Melbourne win. I'm going to tip us to go down by 20, only because I do think Charlie Dixon is in this kind of insane form. Um, and though I think May's playing pretty well, and we didn't really touch on the defense, but I think May's doing a good job. I thought the defense did pretty well against Brisbane. They did very well. I, I just think Dixon's going to be a tough matchup. So, yeah, I think we'll go down narrowly, but it's going to be a cracking game. We're all very excited about it. Yeah. Well, thank you all for joining uh, this week's Deluded. Uh, we'll be back um, shortly after the next game. Um, this compressed schedule is really wreaking havoc on um, the teams and the unofficial podcasts. It is. Well, we just finished recording Lost in Mexico, and then we went straight into this podcast recording. So hmm. we're a little bit a little bit tired today. But... As you can tell from the crispness and the <sighs> sharpness of the banter. Um, but thank you very much for joining, joining Deluded. We hope you like it. Um, please join our Facebook community, The Melbourne Demons. Uh, sorry, Deluded, the Melbourne Demons fan community. And uh, leave us a review on iTunes if you get a chance. Uh, but until, uh, what, a few days from now, go Dees. Go Dees. <laughs>